0: for joining us this is night of the livy dead part two in this podcast we'll be looking at ghosts possible zombies haunted houses and i think well i think ufo is possibly in livy although uh no i don't think no, uh, Emma, emma's the Emma, uh, by the way emma's Emma, emma's joining us she was in the first podcast and she's obviously joining us again to Hello. offer her insight i'm also gonna be featuring in my opinion the most chilling tale from homer We're going to start now with haunted houses. Poltergeists, I suppose, you might want to term them. The first one is from Lucian, the lover of lies, written in the 2nd century AD. This account is... it may may be a bit tongue-in-cheek. I'll leave it there, because Lucian tended to be a bit like that. And it was featured in a story where people are telling outstanding, incredible tales.
1: The house, replied the other was haunted and had been uninhabited for years. Each intending occupant had been at once driven out of it in abject terror by a most grim and formidable apparition. Finally, it had fallen into a ruinous state, the roof was giving way, and in short, no one would have thought of entering it. Well, when I heard about this, I got my books together, I have a considerable number of Egyptian works on these subjects, and went off to the house about bedtime, undeterred by the remonstrances of my host, who considered that I was walking into the jaws of death, and would almost have detained me by force when he learnt my destination. I took a lamp and entered alone, putting down my light in the principal room. I sat on the floor, quietly reading. The spirit now made his appearance, thinking that he had to do with an ordinary person, and that he would frighten me as he had frightened so many others. He was pitch black, with a tangled mass of hair. He drew near and assailed me from all quarters, trying every means to get the better of me, and changing in a moment from dog to bull, from bull to lion. Armed with my most appalling adjuration uttered in the Egyptian tongue, I drove him spellbound into the corner of a dark room. "'marked the spot at which he disappeared, and passed the rest of the night in peace. "'In the morning, to the amazement of all beholders, for everyone had given me up for loss "'and expected to find me lying dead like former occupants, "'I issued from the house, and carried to Eubates the welcome news "'that it was now cleared of its grim visitant, and fit to serve as human habitation. "'He and a number of others, whom curiously had prompted to join us, "'followed me to the spot where I had seen the demon vanish. "'I instructed them to take spades and pickaxes and dig.' They did so, and about a fathom's depth, we discovered a mouldering corpse of which nothing but the bones remained entire. We took the skeleton up and placed it in a grave, and from that day to this, this house has never been troubled with apparitions.
0: That's excellently read. There's a bit more action-packed, this story, uh, possibly more than the others where, I'd say nothing much happens, but people are just watching stuff happen. Here we actually have some interaction with what seems to be a poltergeist or a demon or something, because it changes its uh, appearance.
1: I found Lucian to be up off himself. <laughs> um, I'd know nothing about him, so I, I just—he's—he's I, he's quite arrogant. But I. This is
0: a character. This is a character telling the story. So oh, I see, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I should have. I should. If you, I didn't make that. Apparent. Uh, this is a story told. Oh, so it isn't
1: uh, told by Lucian. No, story- it's written by Lucian Yeah, by. He, he's.
0: It's an account of someone within a storytelling context. I apologise. But you're. But I do. I do agree. He does this character. Say, whoever, does the yeah.
1: protagonist is is very arrogant. But then, if I could um, control demons with my Egyptian tongue, then I would be quite arrogant too, probably. Well, quite. <laughs> I found it very reminiscent to. Well, obviously, you hear about haunted house and you immediately go to Amityville because that's probably one of the most famous haunted houses there is, although there's no history here of, of horrific murders, so I immediately left that. But um, the television show Supernatural was, was very, very similar, not just because the Brothers Winchester are themselves somewhat arrogant, but also just the way they dealt with the demon, well, sorry, the way the demon was dealt with, the way the ghost was dealt with, in terms of using an incantation to get rid of them, and then digging up bones and taking the bones elsewhere and getting rid of the bones and burying the bones, that is very much in the supernatural trope, although in the supernatural they do sort the bones and burn the bones as well. So I But I, you're
0: right, it does deal with that whole
1: It's a similar it's a yeah. similar idea. And also the idea of, of ghost hunters coming in yeah. and doing something, which will then make me think of the conjuring and, and the subsequent, you know, the Annabelle films and the conjuring films and all the ones that kind of links together but it, it feels very much like it, like a ghost hunter. Yeah. But the other thing I wanted to say before we move on is just that, or before you say whatever you're going to say, is I want to say that last podcast episode was very much quite vital. The, the 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 beasts, the horror beasts, were. it was very exciting and passionate, whereas all of these ones we're doing today are quite depressing, they're quite sombre, and I just wanted to say that from the start and that I think it was a good place to stop because... These ones do have a much I say it's not a darker feel necessarily, but it's just it at points I felt quite sad reading some of these stories. It didn't seem as much of the scary spectres that I was expecting in terms of ghosts and ghosts and poltergeists and, and zombies even. So I think it'll be quite interesting to look at that and try and work out maybe what that is.
0: From what I could see is it does still feel as part of the spirit is has been stalled. Yes. It's men are go on a journey. It's been stalled, and that's where the problem is. And that, that's where I, I see a lot of the, the the stories that we're coming to. Previous stories didn't have that so much. The werewolf, no. You had the uh, the vampire, the impuser, which was the, the the lady, as it were. She was happy being where yeah, 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 she was. She until was she... very happy doing what she was until she got found out. And then Felinion, you had perhaps mm. she was trying to do something... So that was probably the only one that you could find out of those uh, batch, but I agree with you, and in here we have a character who the problem seems to be that they want to again move on. The Egyptian reference is because the, there was lots of, sort of spells and incantations were Egypt was where you didn't get them from, but they were known for it. You have right. lots of the, the 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 magic papyri that kind of thing
1: was there not much magic in
0: Oh, there was, lo- there, there was lots of what we would... It's, magic's a really difficult thing mm. to define in antiquity because for some people, uh, magic can only exist outside of a fixed religion. Yeah. It's in contrast to a fixed religion. And the Greeks and the Romans, they didn't have what I would term a fixed religion. And by that, I mean they didn't have uh, a single text. They didn't have a single point of worship. Right. The use of the term magic has a very different... Reference in antiquity, where it's almost subverting a relationship that you have with a deity. Okay,
1: that's interesting.
0: Um, you have cursed tablets and things like that. You have a lot of personal magic, or what we would term personal magic. But we, anyway, we
1: probably term it chaos magic now. Yeah, yeah. Personal side, but we won't go down. no, no we, that no, no. we won't go. <laughs> any,
0: we won't go anywhere near there. But thanks again. Thanks again for that. The next story, it's another haunted house. This time, it's by by Pliny. And he's re- he references in one of his letters since so first century AD, one of many Pliny's letters, one of the more interesting of Pliny's letters that aren't asking about aqueducts or where they should put paving slabs or whatnot. <laughs> anyway, I'll get on and I'll read that. So here we go. To this story, let me add another as remarkable as the former, but attended with circumstances of greater horror, which I'll give you exactly as it was related to me. There was at Athens a large and spacious but ill-reputed and pestitential house. In the dead of the night a noise resembling the clashing of iron was frequently heard, which, if you listened more attentively, sounded like the rattling of fetters. At first it seemed at a distance, but approached nearer by degrees. Immediately afterward a phantom appeared in the form of an old man, extremely meagre and squalid, with long beard and bristling hair, rattling the shackles on his feet and hands.' The poor inhabitants consequently passed sleepless nights under the most dismal terrors imaginable. This, as it broke their rest, threw them into distempers, which, as the horrors of the mine increased, proved to the end fatal in their lives. For even in the daytime, though the spectre did not appear, yet the remembrance of it made such a strong impression on their imaginations that it seemed before their eyes, and the terror remained where the cause of it was gone. By this means the house was at last deserted, As being judged by everyone to be absolutely uninhabitable, so that it was now entirely abandoned to the ghost. However, in hopes that some tenant might be found who was ignorant of the great calamity which attended it, a bill was put up giving notice that it was either to be let or sold. It happened that Athodonorus, the philosopher, came to Athens at this time and reading the bill ascertained the price. The extraordinary cheapness raised suspicion. Nevertheless, When he heard the whole story, he was far from being discouraged that he was more strongly inclined to hire it, and in short, actually did so. When it grew towards evening, he ordered a couch to be prepared for him in the fore part of the house, and after calling for a light, together with his pen and tablets, he directed all his people to retire within. But that his mind might, not for want of employment, be open to the vain terrors of imaginary noises and apparitions, he applied himself to writing with all his faculties. The first part of the night passed into the usual silence then began the clanking of iron fetters however he neither lifted up his eyes nor laid down his pen but closed his ears by concentrating his attention the noise increased and advanced nearer till it seemed at the door and at last in the chamber he looked around and saw the apparition exactly as it had been described to him it stood before him beckoning with the finger athenodorus made a sign with his hand that he should wait a little and bent again to his writing, but the ghost rattling its chains over his head as he wrote, he looked round and saw it beckoning as before. Upon this, he immediately took up his lamp and followed it. The ghost slowly stalked along as if encumbered with chains, and having turned into the courtyard of the house, suddenly vanished. Athenodorus, being thus deserted, marked the spot with a handful of grass and leaves. The next day he went to the magistrates and advised them to order that spot to be dug up there they found bones commingled and entwined with chains for the body molded away by long lying in the ground leaving them bare and corroded by the fetters the bones were collected and buried at the public expense and after the ghost was thus duly laid the house was haunted no more old men rattling chains i think the story's pretty much got it all absolutely (laughs) What did you make of it? What was your, what were your thoughts on this well, funnily one?
1: Funnily enough, you, you're saying that, the first thing I thought of with the old ghost rattling a chain is obviously a Christmas carol. A <laughs> um, little bit of Dickens there, but obviously this isn't a Christmas podcast, this is a Halloween one. So I was thinking, when, when you t- told me it was about haunted houses and poltergeists, I was kind of hoping for a shining slash innkeepers kind of style. with It, it was the house itself that was oh i see yeah yeah Um, yeah. but unfortunately that isn't what happened but it's still a classic haunted house story and again it harks back to the to the lucian one we looked at earlier in regards to it being quite similar to supernatural in terms of how they deal with the ghost and Mm. getting rid of it by removing the bones and putting them somewhere else and burying them again but the bit about the um the notice of the the house to be let or sold and how no one wanted to buy it again very Bring that back again. Strangely, I found it to be quite similar in parts to, to Beetlejuice when the the ghost kept on beckoning and mentioned all you know the people in the house. He, he
0: really does, doesn't he? He gets not going to say, "Stroppy child." No. But stroppy it, old man. Stroppy old man. You have the the priest. Yes. The priest will always go in there and he'll and he'll be. I don't believe this. This doesn't matter. Etc. Etc. He's playing the the very male role again. I know. I referenced this earlier <laughs> in the previous podcast. I spoke about. It's sort of very much the male criteria, and he's doing that here because he's being very controlled, very Absolutely. measured. Yeah. Um, even when an old man's waggling his finger at him.
1: I just want to point out, by the way, for anyone—if anyone who is a horror lover is listening to this—that I appreciate the beauty of reduce isn't the one trapped in the house, but I just mean that the kind of intensely being annoyed by a by a spectre made me think of beetlejuice and then i remembered that the people in beetlejuice were the ones that were trapped in the house so i I just wanted to make that clear but but no i I thought it was really interesting i really liked it again it's quite somber again it's Mm. it's this idea of people being trapped somewhere and then going a little bit mad if a ghost can go mad and and being annoying to people because they can't tell them what they want or what they need in order to be yeah, To be saved or, or to be taken out of that. But this one, the the ghost in this one seemed a lot less aggressive mm. than the ghost in the first one. So it did feel more... It
0: he cuts quite a sad, pathetic yeah, figure. Yeah, that's
1: what I was saying about the sadness. It it was quite sad and perhaps the, the rattling of chains wasn't to scare it, it, was more to get attention.
0: Yeah. The only thing missing for me, for me on this one is who it was.
1: Yeah, they don't say anything about that, do they? But then with the other one, they don't either. Perhaps they just didn't know. I suppose if you've got a bunch of old bones, it's going to be an old...
0: Whoever it was had been buried in, in the house. They hadn't been properly buried, as it were, and you may not be aware of this again. This is purely this ancient history bubble. Yep. Correct burial of the dead was an absolute in antiquity, particularly in ancient Greece. Oh, OK. One of the worst things that can happen is if you weren't buried. And I think of... You think of what happens to... In, in the Iliad, with Hector's body... Mm. he's not buried, so he can't pass on. Patroclus even visits Achilles and berates him for not burying him because Achilles is holding on too long before burying him. He's like, I need, to, I need to move on. Can you please bury me properly? You've got Antigone, which deals, to bring Greek drama into it, with the correct burial, because if you're not buried properly, you don't pass on. And this guy, whoever this was, wasn't buried properly. So it does make you think. He was in chains and he was... Because the chains were around the skeleton. Yes, so it's it it's a practical part of what he is mm. as a as a ghost. We're probably thinking on this too much. We've got one I, I would say it's a story, it's more uh, this is also Pliny. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it out and you can make of it what you will. This story I believe upon the affirmation of others, I can myself affirm to others what I now relate. I have a freedman named Marcus who has a some tincture of letters. One night His younger brother, who was sleeping in the same bed with him, saw, as he thought, somebody sitting on the couch who put a pair of shears to his head and actually cut the hair off from the very crown of it. When morning came, they found the boy's crown was shorn and their hair lay scattered about the floor. After a short interval, a similar occurrence gave credit to the former. A slave boy of mine was sleeping amongst several others in their quarters when two persons clad in white came in, as he tells the story, through the windows. Cut off his hair as he lay and withdrew the same way they entered. Daylight revealed that this boy too had been shorn. His hair was likewise spread around the room. Nothing remarkable followed. I put this one in simply because it just seemed a bit bizarre. I'm not really sure what's going on there.
1: Yeah, we both we both took quite different things from this when we first started talking about it, and then you pointed out something that I hadn't completely ignored, and there's a reason for that. But I will, um, I don't want to spoil what you what you thought of it <laughs> for everybody. I really felt like the hair cutting thing was. Some, was something that was it was ringing a bell in the back of my mind, but I, I couldn't find anything. I went on research. My Google history probably looks very strange about ghosts cutting hair as some sort of demon hairdresser. Mm. Then I went back to the classic child affected by ghosts, Caroline and poltergeists kind of thing because it looked like these you know these were young men, mm. boys who were being who were being hurt or not really hurt having a haircut isn't painful, but who were being affected by a ghost or a poltergeist then
0: i know what you mean but it can't be a poltergeist because whatever this is is coming in through the windows yeah. and then leaving by them so it's a sort of burglar ghost,
1: burglar ghost. that well, cuts your
0: hair and then just leaves it
1: and then when we're talking about coming in through windows we found our way towards salem's lot and the child comes yeah. through the window and lost boys when michael floats up and tries to get through the window but then we remember that you can't come through a window if you're a vampire because you need to be invited
0: yeah that's which
1: true. then led to your theory. Which
0: well, my theory started with zero credit or credulous <laughs> to it, and I think it's. I think that was it. Peaked at that point. Yeah. I thought initially, strange people coming through windows, trying to take bits of you. Just I just went straight to UFO abduction, alien abduction, I, alien. Yeah, ab, yeah, well, yeah, alien abduction type stuff. The more I read that, the more I think, man, nah, that that was probably that yeah. was something that should have stayed in my head. I shouldn't have said well, it.
1: Oh no, I mean. It, we look at some stuff later on when there's more people in white. It seems to happen quite. Yeah, a lot. that's true. Yeah. Immediately, people clad in white either conjures up Klu Clan Klan or, or aliens to me. And obviously, the Klu Klux Klan went around then. So maybe it is alien. I don't know. Again, I'm. It's more bizarre than it is <laughs> yeah, it's a, a, a ghost story, story, but I thought it worthy.
0: This letter that Pliny writes. Has the really great story we read regarding Athelodorus and you know the chains and all that, and then this comes in. Also, start with it. He says, This story I believe upon the affirmation of others, I can myself affirm to others what I now relate. It seems he's backing himself. Yeah. This isn't a crazy thing he heard on the way to the forum, as it were. No,
1: no, he's saying this is what, this yeah, is, yeah, absolutely. anyway.
0: So, that those are the those are the two well, three ah, haunted house podcasts. I think up next, we're going to look at. Well, I suppose you'd call zombies. Zombies, yeah. Yep, zombies next. Before we start with the zombies, I forgot to mention that we've got two references in Suetonius to what I suppose you call haunted houses, or haunted areas. The first one is Augustus. We'll start with Augustus first. Uh, Augustus uh, six, he talks about the emperor's nursery uh, in his grandfather's house being i say haunted is It's actually quite, quite fearsome uh, He says For when a new owner Either by chance Or to test the matters Went to bed in that room It came to pass That after a very few hours Of the night He was thrown out By a sudden mysterious force And was found All half dead Before the door And surprisingly Caligula Has some involvement Caligula 59 The gardens in which Caligula had his funeral pyre on It seems that he was, had his funeral pyre It was done quite quickly uh, apparently the caretakers of that of the gardens always said it was haunted and they were continually disturbed by ghosts which is not surprising bearing in mind that Caligula ended up there so I just wanted to throw those two things in there because again it's a different source you might want to look them up Suetonius okay, Caligula 59 or Augustus 6 anyway we'll get on now to the zombies and I say zombies I, I use the term quite loosely because and even today you'll have people arguing what a zombie is.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you get people... The, the, the classic one is, is when people talk about 28 Days Later and how that isn't actually a, a zombie film because it's a virus. Some people don't even believe zombies would be caused by by viruses. As a scientist, I could argue, you know, the, the most recent horror film that is the most realistic in terms of how a zombie apocalypse could actually happen is The Girl with All the Gifts because it talks about a fungus that is called Cordyceps, which is able to overwrite the nervous system. It does it in insects and so... If we're going for a completely realistic <laughs> idea of a zombie, that would be where it is. But yeah, these zombies are are not like not zombies as we know them.
0: No, I, I find I find just on on your point, it, it seems that in the more I would say more recent zombie films, because there's there's so many made, I'm sure that the there are some that would buck this trend. There's almost either a need to have some real credibility as to why a person is a zombie. Mm. So they'll say, "Well, it's because of this specific." that You said what's it, fungus, Vir- fungus or virus. Fu- fungus yeah. or virus that makes people act in a particular way, or they ignore it totally. Yeah, and they never refer to it, and it's just accepted that this is the case. Again, I wonder if if the if it's just to in- increase the fear, because if you explain something, and if you say this could credibly happen, even though you know it's we're shall we say. We have to stretch imagination for that of course, situation yeah. to occur. It still makes it a bit scarier because the more real something is, the more scary it is. In any case, what we're trying to say is that the, the cause of zombies is often something that's very much discussed or not discussed at all. What we're going to look at now, there's two two accounts. The first is from Pliny in his natural history. and It deals with a general. The second one is from Flegon again. Yeah, um, good old <laughs> Flegon who is... Yeah, always worth a read. I think I'm going to read the first. Album. No, no, I'm going to read all the first All right, you're brilliant, okay. Yeah. So the first one, it's plenty, it's 1st century AD, but the date of the story, we think's between 35 and 45 BC. This is because it involved uh, Sextus Pompeius, who was Pompey the Great's youngest son.
1: In the Sicilian War, Gabinus, the bravest of all of Caesar's naval commanders, was taken prisoner by Sextus Pompeius, who ordered his throat to be cut, after which his head almost severed from his body. He lay the whole of the day upon the seashore. Towards evening, with groans and entreaties, he begged the crowds of people who had assembled that they would prevail upon Pompeius to come to him, or else send one of his most confidential friends, as he had just returned from the shades below, and had some important news to him. Pompeius accordingly sent several fr- of his friends, to whom Gabinus stated that the good cause and virtuous partisans of Pompeius were well pleasing to the infernal deities, and that the event would shortly prove such as he wished, that he had been ordered to announce to this effect, and that, as a proof of its truthfulness, he himself should expire the very moment he had fulfilled his commission and his death did actually take place
0: thanks very much for that i'm going to read the second one now because they're both quite short and i think we can then we'll chat about them afterwards this one is from Flegin. it's a second century ad he's writing a story we think set in the second century bc because it references battle with the romans by king uh antiochus uh, anyway i'll get on with it there was a certain Buplagos, a cavalry commander from Syria, who had been held in high esteem by King Antiochus and had fallen after fighting nobly. At midday, while the Romans were gathering all of the enemy's arms, Buplagos stood up from among the dead, though he had 12 wounds and went to the Roman camp where he proclaimed in a soft voice the following verses. Stop despoiling an army gone to the land of Hades, for already Zeus Cronides is angry but at beholding your ill deeds. Wrathful at the slaughter of an army at your doings, and we will send a bold-hearted tribe up against your land that will put an end to your rule, and you will pay for what you have wrought. Shaken by this utterance, the Roman generals quickly convened the multitude and deliberated about the ghost. They decided to cremate and bury Buplagos, who expired immediately after his utterance, purify the camp, perform a sacrifice to Zeus, and send a delegation to the oracle at Delphi to ask the god what they should do. So the two stories that we would place perhaps in the in the realm of zombies, I think they're short but very interesting, and uh, I know Emma's got some thoughts on this.
1: Yeah, they are they are interesting. I would call them sad zombies if they, if they are <laughs> zombies because, um, yeah, they they both, it just I don't know, they both just got this real somber feel to them. When I was looking at them earlier and I was thinking about them, I was thinking about how modern the modern genre when it comes to zombies is talking about a social commentary. It's often a social commentary yeah. on what is happening at the time and so I was wondering initially whether this looks like or felt like uh, obviously as a as being a complete novice in terms of ancient history whether this was a social commentary about the time because of the wars and so on or whether that just happens to be something that sounds and looks like a lovely tie in
0: I think there's something that's being said in the second the Romans aren't behaving themselves in some way yeah. I think there's a, again what I mentioned earlier about making sure the dead were respected Yeah, and there seems to be the aggravation here is that in some way the romans aren't respecting the dead that had fallen it might be because they've not buried them it might be because they've not allowed them to be buried
1: out of interest when romans died in battle in large battlefields did they make those battlefields graves or
0: what i'm aware of is that you have some sort of funeral mound
1: right so it 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 still counts as a as a the, the ritual that would allow yeah to oh, yeah yeah okay,
0: and I know that in, I seem to remember in in ancient Greece in hoplite battles the winner was the well the winner generally was the one who who was asked for the truce to bury the dead oh, okay so it, 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 if you if you wanted to know who won the battle it was the one who was then asked can I can we stop now so we can bury the dead I
1: thought you were going to say it's the one who didn't die <laughs> well it that? was generally that, that that
0: was you'd find uh, yeah I think you find some correlation there. <laughs>
1: In terms of both of the stories, they both have a military angle to them, obviously, and that made me think of Dead Snow and Dead Snow Two, which are oh, good films, <laughs> zombie films. Okay, uh, they they are Nazi zombies, I think, in both of yeah, them. Yeah, they are indeed. Um, so that that was immediate, zombie military, but also military bases are used a lot in zombie films. Pretty much all zombie films, the place of where people go to to be safe, either that or the CDC, as we've seen in The Walking Dead. But generally, that those are places. That's that's what made me think of that. I did think that it felt more like a ghost story in a, in a lot of ways in regards to, although obviously there are people rising from the dead, mm. that there is a ghost trope where ghosts are stuck until they do something. Yeah. And such as in the film Ghost, which isn't a horror story, but it was on TV the other night. And I love Patrick Swayze. So what are you going to do? That was very much that he couldn't move on until he had done what he was going to do and I'm sure there are other films
0: Which involve pottery. <laughs> and there's a lot of pottery in ancient Greece. And <laughs> oh, um, ancient go. Rome. So there we go. There's our link.
1: No, but I'm sure there are a lot of other horror films that, that involve yeah. people having to do something. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just couldn't it just it was just ghost because I've seen it recently. And the other thing I found quite interesting about this is it it really piqued my scientists' interest because I was thinking, could this actually happen? Could this have actually happened?
0: Do you mean see do you mean could someone have their throat slit? Almost severing their head. So we're going to say he had his throat cut. Yeah. Because it might just be exaggerated. Yeah. And let's just say he had his throat cut and he was left for dead. Yeah. Could he could he recover from that?
1: Well, it, like I was, I was saying that with the Pliny one, it does say his head almost severed from his yeah, body. Yeah, yeah. So uh... that in itself is, is very, very unlikely to happen. But with the other one... You can have 12, 12 wounds, was it? Yeah, 12,
0: 12 wounds.
1: 12 wounds, you can have 12 wounds and get up and carry on and then die later because you've been bleeding very slowly out. So I do think that the Phlegon the one is something that could have happened in terms of, from a from a realistic perspective because weirdly with zombie films more than any other genre, I do like to think, could that actually happen? Just to, mm. to go on a slight side note, it's because um, my specialism is infectious diseases so i do like to work out whether something can actually happen so right. in the zombie virus for example mm. could that actually happen and that's why i really liked going back to talking about the cordyceps the girl with all the gifts the fungus it felt realistic or as realistic as a horror film can be and so with these i did think well maybe you know i don't think either of them are zombies
0: <laughs> well I, I i would differ with you no 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 what i that. mean is
1: i don't think in real life they oh were yeah, zombies, yeah, yeah, but yeah. i'm saying out of the two stories i think the first one the pliny must be a zombie because I don't see any biological wear where you can have your head almost severed from <laughs> yeah. your neck and then get up and be like, oh, hi, everyone. Whereas mm. with the other one, I think it's possible that you can get stabbed or yeah. injured, 12 wounds, pass out for a bit, get up, go and have a chat with people and then eventually die because perhaps internal bleeding or something like that. That was where I was coming from. Right. Sorry to, to take a strange no, 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 turn no, no, no. and not be entirely about horror stories there, but out of those two... I can see the Phlegon being something that could actually happen, whereas the Pliny, there's there's no way that could actually happen. You you know if someone cut, nearly cut your head off, yeah, you'd, you'd be dead very quickly. All I was
0: thinking of was Highlander, the main baddie. <laughs> he has his neck stitched up. Yeah, that's true. So but perhaps that's again, what he should have done. They should have got the. I don't uh, know how
1: much scientific validity there is in Highlander.
0: Mm, no, that's for another. That's for another, <laughs> another conversation i do not sure about the 12... The 12 wounds, I think, is symbolic in some way. There's something about the number. okay. I don't know to what extent Julius Caesar apparently had... I think it was 23 or 24 wounds. But apparently only one of them was fatal.
1: Yeah, no, I remember reading that.
0: So it gives you an idea that you can have a number of wounds in your body and it doesn't have to necessarily kill you straight off. There was, and I forget, it's either Livy or Polybius. It's an account of the Battle of Cannae and afterwards where between 50 and 70,000 Romans A rough guess... Uh, died in one day the next morning a lot of them that were thought to be dead got up okay because uh, the, and it was because you could go into shock Well, also if, wounds clo- presumably clo- presumably up. if
1: it's cold in the in the evenings and at night your yeah. your blood flow will will slow down considerably even if you are yeah. you know you do have wounds so and then you get warmed up again you get up yeah and then yeah you, then you <laughs> he actually does reference that. i think oh, okay. the re-
0: the reference the reference is made the morning sun Sort of opened up their wounds. Yeah, that's so, but anyway, that, so that was going on a on a slight, slight tangent. I think they're uh, the second one. Again, I think that's a lot to do with flagons about mischief dead because it's about correct. They had to purify and they had to make sure that the pollution within the camp had had been gotten rid of and, yeah. a, and the gods appeased. And the first thing they do is go and ask Delphi send someone to Delphi because, and you see that happen a great deal okay. in Antiquity they'll, they'll get confused about something send someone to Delphi and the Oracle at Delphi will give them a really ambiguous answer. Uh, the first one, yeah, I think we've pretty much done that, they both die the minute they've done their missions
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying that with, with the, the connection back to Ghost, which mm-hmm. again isn't a horror story, is the, the you know the being able to move on, I know it's not exactly yeah. the same but it's this idea that you, you have, even in death, you've got a mission, if it it's just it's quite that's why i mean it's quite somber
0: it's all more reanimation of dead there's no bites no transmissions
1: no no. not the
0: continual uh hammering the point that people are worse than zombies which all zombies films do all i'm all sure if
1: were, it was longer well no no hold on with flag on they're, they're talking about
0: people being particularly bad yeah he's, what
1: he's saying is that you, you know you people aren't very good
0: he also makes a prediction he, he prophesizes, and we sometimes see that in the ancient world and people at the point of death will prophesize and, and give something like that and he, he's done that although he is obviously dead
1: That's my, one of my favourite scenes in again not horror film is this Mercutio in the, in the Basel and Romeo and Juliet where he talks about a plague on both your houses It's probably my favourite Shakespearean bit at all and I got, was very lucky bringing in a slight ancient Roman um, thing into this I saw Derek Jacoby playing Macius. oh right yeah, yeah. Um, and, and doing that as well so there's a there's a little link there I. Claudius, if you've watched I. Claudius? which I have and I've enjoyed it very much it, I, that whole Prophecy in death. That reminded me of that as well. It's like this prophecy idea.
0: Yeah. They're both, I think they're both good short stories. Absolutely. They're yeah. both, uh, you can imagine someone re- recalling us or telling this at a table, somewhere, a, a feast or a, a dinner.
1: And they're spooky as well. That's what yeah. I like about them is that I think
0: everything, everything hap- it happens, it's very short, everything's encapsulated with the story. There's nothing left off. I'm gonna say you're satisfied by you're not asking too many questions because no. it's all neatly folded together.
1: But some of the best horror, I think, does have that darkness and that sadness to it. Yeah. And that's why I really like these is that they do they do leave a little bit more. They they leave that that idea of just it's just a bit sad and it's just mm. a bit dark and I, I I like that I like that about them a lot. Well,
0: I, I know what you I know how I can cheer you up. Go on then. I'm gonna cheer you up with a. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this now. I was going to leave this to the end, but I'm going to cheer you up with the most chilling, <laughs> chilling story from Homer. And in my, my opinion, as I've said, probably I can't find anything else as, I would say scary. It's just downright horrible. When we come back, we'll do that. I'm going to read it out oh, I'm when to we come out. back. Oh. We're now on the final yards of... Night of the Louis Dead part Two, and with it, the chillingest of of tales, <laughs> as it were from Homer, this is from Homer The Odyssey. A lot of people think that the Odyssey finishes when Odysseus returns and kills the suitors, and I think that there's so much that goes on after that. My last podcast I did on Odyssey on Odysseus and how he was when he got back there's just so many inconsistencies there's so much unusual activity going on with Odysseus and how he deals with the world. If you want to listen to it, then please, please do so. And I referenced it then. There's something in there that I found very, very dark and very, very savage. So I'm going to get to it now. I'm just going to read it out. And then I'm going to look to see what reaction Emma gives me, I suppose. Okay. It's It's from book 22. And it's just after the slaughter of the suitors. Picture the scene. The suitors have all been butchered in the hall. Dead bodies everywhere. Odysseus has a number of issues now. hes I suppose the modern term would be firefighting. And so he turns to his son and starts giving advice as to what to do next. Start carrying these corpses outside now and then take charge of the servant women. Have these splendid chairs and tables cleaned, white with porous sponges soaked in water. Once you've put the entire house in order, then take those servants from the well-built hall to a spot outside between the roundhouse and the sturdy courtyard wall and kill them. Slash them with long swords until their life is gone, from all of them, and they've forgotten Aphrodite and how they loved the suitors when they had sex with them in secret. Odysseus spoke. Then the crowd of women came, wailing plaintively and shedding many tears. First, they gathered up the corpses of the dead and laid them out underneath the portico leaned them against each other in the well-fenced yard. Odysseus himself gave their instructions and hurried on to the work. The women were compelled to carry out the dead. After that, they cleaned the splendid chairs and tables, wiping them down with water and porous sponges. Telemachus, along with Philotius and Eumaeus with shovels scraped the floor inside the well-built hall and women took the dirt and threw it in the yard. When they put the entire hall in order, they led the women out to the sturdy house to a place between the roundhouse and the fine wall round the courtyard, herding them to a narrow space where there was no way to escape. Shrewd Telemachus began by speaking to the other two. I don't want to take these women's lives with a clean death. They've poured insults on my head, on my mother, and were always sleeping with the suitors. He spoke, then tied the cable of a dark-proud ship to a large pillar, threw one end above the roundhouse and pulled it taut and high, so no woman's foot could reach the ground. Just as doves... Long-winged thrushes charge into a snare set in a thicket As they seek out a roosting place And find out they've been welcomed by a dreadful bed That's how those women held their heads all in a row With nooses fixed around their necks So they'd have a pitiful death For a little while they twitched their feet But that did not last long Pleasant reading
1: Yeah, um, Odysseus' son Telemachus Telemachus (sighs) Not a very nice guy
0: No um, no
1: I, I it seems like there's there's been a theme throughout the whole thing about women who are sexual getting punished um, the- which which is a, a massive horror trope if you, <laughs> you look back to it is that you know i hate to go all scream on you but you know the virgin always survives the virgin is the final girl the one who who doesn't get killed
0: i always think of those those no, 50s movies but it's let's go to make out point yeah, and the monster always gets them there. I
1: mean, obviously, that's not exactly. But you know, <laughs> he he wanted to punish them because they were sleeping with the suitors.
0: I had two people help me out with this, and I, I did say I'd, I'd give them some some. Uh, I'd just name check and say thanks. First one is at Fable Reader, and at Ian Peter. I said I had a little dialogue with them on Twitter, and they said that instead, a better term might have been collaborated. So when he when he mentions about you conspired with Aphrodite and all this sort of thing, it may not be that he's castigating these, and there are 12 of them. Just so you know, there are 12 of these maids that behaved in this way. He's not necessarily castigating them for sleeping with the suitors. What he's castigating for is collaboration with the suitors, which itself still seems rather bizarre, simply because the the suitors are dead. As a political situation, it's been resolved. In, in, In a very small small way it's been resolved because the suitors aren't there anymore so why then punish why then punish the maids secondly again you if you haven't read the odyssey you may not be aware of this telemachus is just a just I oh, he, he just annoys me throughout the entire <laughs> odyssey he is someone who's constantly saying I'm not old enough I'm not grown up enough right and uh, at the beginning when Athena uh, dresses up and pretends that she's mortal and chats to him you do get a sense of even Athena going oh come on just get on with you. Just
1: How old is he?
0: Well, I'm I'm looking at him as being I would say late teens, purely because
1: he's old enough to slaughter a load of women. Yeah, he's old <laughs> enough to
0: fight and, and the rest of it. He's not allowed to interact with the female servants, that's still his mum's role, so there's a kind of he himself hasn't quite come of age in certain regards. Okay. But it's just the fact that he's had no real military experience up until this point. He's got into a fight with his dad in the hall yeah. and he's killed some suitors so and that so be it, the first time so he killed people he, pretty much he's gone from naught to, to 60 very quickly mm. and the mm. idea of, of killing women in a, this particular fashion hanging is something that we see uh, elsewhere in a, ancient Greek particularly in the myth it, it seems to be a unique female punishment in many ways I think the idea was that it was the women were seen as earth yeah. separating them from the earth by just that the fact that he he doesn't even want to kill them Nicely. He wants them to suffer. It just seems very bizarre. It's an unnecessary. And the thing that really gets me, the thing that got right under my skin, was that last line For a little while, they twitch their feet. But that did not last long. It's just the last thing you're left with as a mental image. is just a series of feet These moving,
1: little women's feet. Women, I yeah. So then, that is that my. Is creepy.
0: That's it's just creepy. Not because it involves a scary monster. Not because we're looking at the Odyssey. The Odyssey involves cyclops. It involves men turning into animals. Into it, there's lots of weird stuff. Ghosts, you know, all sorts. You goes to the underworld. Lots of things happen that will should be. Far scarier, but this is real horror for me simply because it's the horror of an individual. It's the capability of someone being that. They've just—I wouldn't say snapped, but that vicious.
1: It's coming back to that thing we were talking about. When we talk about zombies. About you know, humans are the biggest monsters. It's, yeah, it's an example of of that. And yeah, it's, it's horrible the thought of having poor women I all mean, hung
0: together as well in one. And 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 I should have added that before before this they've been cleaning up dead bodies
1: yeah no these just, these, so, yeah. Are, these
0: are these are these are, are maids who've probably i can't imagine even though that in ancient ancient Greece and Rome i think you would have had a closer relationship with death
1: yeah
0: even that that aside the trauma of having to if you did have any relationships or, or alternative you could say you had nothing to do with them or or if they just were general, lovers and it was just a traumatic yeah. thing oh, yeah, you would absolutely. have thought just have it. Clearing up dead bodies and the, we had to stack them and lean them up and all this kind of thing and wiping down all the blood and all mm. that. It just that itself would be, I would say, punishment. That that's going to leave a mark. But anyway, so there we are That's um that's something. Yeah, that's something. Something for the grandkids there. If you want to tell, <laughs> if you have got if you've got an awkward family moment coming up at any dinner, just throw that one in save right there. Save that
1: for Christmas. Say, yeah, save it for
0: Christmas. the Christmas meal. And I think perhaps we should leave on some more jovial yes. and in true form it is called night of the livy dead for not for not for just the pun we are in fact going to include livy and if you haven't already realized or done this you might have noticed that livy writes huge slabs of text and it's some of it is very detailed very kind of forensic about all sorts of things and then he throws in at the end of the his kind of at the end of the years and there are some really quite bizarre things that he just mentions off the bat and you're screaming at the book, why, why not more? I want to know about the, the child with an elephant head that's born. <laughs> Who
1: doesn't want to know uh, about
0: Yeah, that. I, I want to know about exploding spears that he talks about. And when we come back, we're going to look at some of the things he's come out with, some of the things he mentions. I'm going to pretend there's some very slight semblance to UFOs and aliens. Emma's going to do what she does do and laugh. And then we're going to look at those. And hopefully it'll lead to a cheerier ending. So join us in we a need. second. That's yeah, what we need. we're on our final final leg now, as it were. Just about to finish up, we thought that we'd look at some some of the things from Livy, as it is Night of the Livy Dead. <laughs> some of the weird, weird, unusual occurrences that occur in Livy. Before I want to go into that, I just want to, I suppose, appeal, as it were, to to. First of all, if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review this podcast. It, Believe it or not, it does take quite a lot of time to do. It does take quite a lot of effort to do. I don't do it for any money or anything like that. So it's nice when you get someone saying something nice. Even if it's a, that sounded good, I enjoyed it. So you can find my iTunes podcasts and you can find links to that and my sync. Uh, and my soundcloud it's all on ancientblogger.com all on my website all the links are there but presumably you're listening to it on one of the platforms um and also i really should offer emma a chance again to remind you to follow her on instagram
1: yeah i'm as i said in the first podcast i'm not on much social media but i am on instagram at fire after dawn and it is mostly irreverent stuff a bit of fitness a bit of infectious diseases a bit of I hate the word random, but it's, it's quite eclectic, shall we say. But there's something for everyone.
0: Something for everyone. <laughs> if you like diseases and... Fitness. And leggings. Yeah. Leggings and diseases. There we go. Yeah. That should have been a category we'd done. Uh, in any case, <laughs> so we're going to look at Livy. some of the weird things. So starting with uh, 2162. Uh, we've got... This is one of the things that I really like, straight away. A phantom navy was seen shining in the sky... I, yeah, more. I need more than that from Livy.
1: Yeah, when you showed me these when we were deciding which ones to talk about, I, it's just, it's reported with such matter of factness, and yeah. they're all really odd. And I just, I don't understand how you said he he wrote p- pages and pages on. Meetings that were taken about town councils and stuff, and yet something really interesting happens, and it's a line, and it's just, oh yeah, this happened. It's really bizarre. To me. I, I, I
0: do think that to an extent, Livy's writing in, in the first century uh, BC, I think there's a bit there of him not particularly um, relishing these. I think I think there is a bit of derisory because he does right. mention a few times prior to this because of the war because this is going on during a war. Okay, there were these weird things. People get more suspicious. They get more superstitious. Aren't they idiots? Look at what people report. Well, perhaps that's how I view uh, how I view. It. He's okay. a bit bit of disdain. He also says 2162 in the territory of the Maternum. Beings in human shape and clothed in white were seen at a distance, but no one came close to them.
1: And here we come with the aliens UFO. Well, it's just
0: the I'm think there's a lot of stuff, a <laughs> lot of stuff that goes on in the sky here. Uh, in 22-1, you've got at Capina two moons were visible in the daytime. You've also got the waters changing to blood. You, we, this is something Pliny has. Oh, sorry, Pliny, Livy has two or three continual themes with his, what I would term portents. He always refers to them as portents because something has to be done. What happens is all of these are recorded and then the Romans decide that they need to do this in order to uh, make sure that everything's okay with the gods still. He has, it's always raining stones. Right. There's usually things being struck by lightning, which right. is really not, not surprising. And the final one is, rivers or lakes of blood
1: and all of those things can be explained scientifically yeah
0: yeah I know the <laughs> I, I mean even I'm aware of algae algae blooms as it were and that could be you know Yeah, well, and
1: also a, if, it, if it's war then maybe someone's been stabbed and they are actually bleeding into the water supply and it's making it look red possibly there's possibly, possibly. that too but big showers of stones I mean hailstones can be massive and look like stones yeah that's kind of one of the reasons they're called hailstones <laughs>
0: yeah that is true and being
1: struck by lightning I mean you know we've got to remember as well I'm, I'm being somewhat flippant these are all
0: recorded you've got to remember as well you know Livy does a fair amount of, of source checking and the rest of it he's writing in a, he's writing a couple of centuries after all of this
1: yeah no, no what I was going to say yeah. was that you it's easy to scoff at them this far ahead with all the science that we have but at the time why would you, you know lightning mm. is a strange thing
0: well lightning was very very pertinent to the Romans Okay. And uh, it, it very much resembled... Uh, I think I'm right in saying that if you were a consul and you saw lightning in the sky, you could call off the day's meetings, those day's political meetings. Uh, be, Don't
1: tell our politicians that. No. <laughs>
0: the other thing that comes in, and this is 2236, uh, he talks about statues sweating. It's sweating blood or sweating. Now, that's something I remember being, whenever you have, I wouldn't say bleeding statues, but you have those statues, they say, oh, it's... They're, they're they
1: cry blood, don't cry they? Cry blood
0: and that kind of thing. So I don't know. Again, the I know. I know that is often explained. I forget what the explanation is, but again, it's this. This
1: yeah. idea of yeah.
0: Oh yeah, I'll, there we go. I'll, I'll give you an example, an absolute example here of Livy being condescending. So twenty four eleven starts. Many portents were announced that year. And the more, red, more readily men of simple and pious minds believed in them, the more numerously they were reported. So the idea is it's self-digesting. That group
1: hysteria? Yeah, it's
0: group people. He talks about, uh, was it crows building a nest? Not particularly good. But at Hadria, an altar had been seen in the sky, with men clothed in white standing about it.
1: <laughs> aliens! A- You're beginning to sound like Arnold River in Red Dwarf, like yeah. crying aliens all the yeah. time.
0: <laughs> but then he also talks about in 2711, uh, it had rained milk and a boy had been born with an elephant's head.
1: Rained milk?
0: Yeah. There did it just go. look
1: like milk or did it taste like milk?
0: I, I have no idea. But well, this is
1: what we mean. We need more information. Libby, yeah. tell us more. Well, um, <clears throat>
0: 2737, he talks uh, of a child that had been born there in size and appearance equal to one four years old.
1: Poor woman.
0: Uh yeah, well the a poor child, because the diviners have been summoned from Etruria, said that this was a dreadful portent. The thing must be banished from Roman soil. The thing?
1: Kept oh.
0: from any contact with the earth and buried it in the sea. They enclosed it alive in a box, took it out to sea and dropped it overboard.
1: That's that's horrible. I thought we were supposed to be cheering ourselves up with yeah, this we one. Do. Although I I I don't know how big a four year old child was back then. I presume they probably would have been a bit smaller than a four year old child mm. is now, but even so, the thought of I mean what happened to the mum That's well, again we need more information
0: 2810 you've got uh, a pig being born with two heads
1: yeah that can happen
0: but though. then two sons were said to have been seen at alba and at Fregolet, it had been it had become light during the night again you've got these the sky things going on in I the mean, sky i mean you know
1: that can that can yeah. be explained by aliens but it can also be explained
0: by oh yeah you've seen um,
1: things, so. meteors in
0: 2914 yeah. In this state of excitement, men's minds were filled with superstition and the ready credence given to announcements of portents increased their number. So, he's, again, he's, this, this is Livy saying, idiots.
1: He's saying the more times people have... Can I ask something, though? Yeah. When they talk about men, do they mean men, men, or are they talking about people? I, mean, that, that, I
0: think I think possibly men.
1: Because I was just wondering if if women reported stuff like this, was it just the kind of, huh, women?
0: I, I don't know. I couldn't honestly I'm say. Not
1: trying to find sexism in it, but I just <laughs> I just wondered whether finding we-
0: sexism in in antiquity <laughs> is not the hardest. No, but oh, you, jobs.
1: you see, further you know, not so far back, mm. that women have always been seen at you know, the whole witches mythology and the oh. whole idea of, of women being more connected to the supernatural for one mm. reason or another and i just wondered if men were kind of scoffed at if they saw weird supernatural things but women it was just expected i have to say there was one of them that i really liked um it not for any other reason they just made me laugh and it was
0: oh sorry i've missed that one out 22.1 <laughs> ufos and <trying to> say <laughs> at rp shields had been seen in the sky <laughs> and the sun had appeared to be fighting with the moon oh
1: that's so dramatic but if I can say what I was going to say mm. because it's amused me very much um atcase is that how do you say that word uh, Carey, yeah At C-A-E-R-E. c-a-e-r-e sorry um, this is
0: 2162
1: I went a bit Spanish with my pronunciation mm. then the aura oracular <laughs> tablets oracular the, the, the tablets had shrunk in size and in Gaul a wolf had snatched the sentinel's sword from its scabbard and run off with it she's got this brilliant idea of this wolf just being like, ah, 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 with like a sword in its mouth brilliant love oh, just,
0: it so, yeah. that
1: amuses me very much I think that might be a good place to stop before we get too dark
0: in any case there we go <laughs> so that's our um, that's the end of Night of the Livy Dead hope you've enjoyed it this is part two if you've not listened to part one hopefully this hasn't put you off and you might want to go back and listen. Part
1: one part, is, isn't as sad.
0: Part one cheerier. Equal amount of death. Yeah, of course. A bit more uh, upbeat. Yeah. A bit more sanguine. Yeah, I'd like it. Well, I, I think both, both are equally excellent. You you have to listen to both, please. In any case, <laughs> we've been talking way too much. You've been listening a lot. Really, really appreciate that. If you want to find my other bits and bobs, you can do so on my website at ancient um, ancientblogger.com. You can find me on Twitter, come and say hello at Ancient Blogger. And I look forward to doing some more podcasts soon. Not sure when. Perhaps I might get Emma in and we can talk about disease and the ancient world. I would love that would probably be a bit more. If you've got any ideas of what you'd like to listen to, then send me. I'll always give people shout outs if they come up with a great idea. If you'd like to be a guest, then please let me know. Take care, have a great Halloween, and until next time, keep safe. Bye. into me into me they've all got it into me